0: This is an ABC podcast. Hey, ladies. A couple of seasons ago, we made an episode of Ladies We Need to Talk About Anxiety because about one in three women will experience anxiety in their lives. And for this new season, we organised a reboot of that episode because climate change anxiety was so huge. Now, I don't know about you, but I yearn for the days when all I had to worry about outside of any sort of general anxiety was climate change and not, you know anxiety about a global pandemic threatening our very way of life. While this episode doesn't relate specifically to coronavirus, we thought we'd bring it to you again because so much in it will help you if you're feeling anxious at this time. Hey, as a warning, this episode
1: contains some heavy stuff. If you suffer from anxiety, you might find it difficult. And even if you don't, Remember, you can reach Lifeline 24 hours a day on 13 11 14. And if you do need some extra help, we've also got a bunch of resources in our show notes. I find that I am experiencing a low level of dread for my children's future and my grandchildren's future.
2: I think some women are genuinely very concerned, as are men and, in fact, people generally about the state of the climate and bringing children into it.
3: People don't talk about it, so when you're feeling that that's happening to you, you feel like a total failure of a person. The
2: worst anxiety I get is social anxiety. I just keep it under the surface.
3: (laughs) Even drinks at the pub. I hadn't experienced anything like that before.
1: It's just a big, frightening black cloud... It permeates every
0: aspect of your life, I guess. Anxiety is often brushed aside or diminished as a first world problem, which, by the way, is both rudely dismissive and also a dull, dull thing to say. For sufferers, anxiety can be incredibly hard to live with. Uh, Anxiety
4: takes up a lot of my life my anxiety comes a lot from and this is going to sound terrible but being at home with the kids by myself for a lot of the time.
0: I
1: didn't really have anxiety issues before my cancer diagnosis but
3: I think it was such a shock. I would come into work sit on my laptop open up my emails see all these emails I get every single day and just sit there and not know how to reply. I stopped working, I stopped exercising, I stopped socialising. I just didn't have it in me to do anything.
0: I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we still need to talk about the most common mental health issue in Australia, anxiety. In the second season of this podcast, we looked at anxiety and the response was huge. One thing that came up a lot was anxiety about climate change.
1: I would say that I am suffering from climate anxiety, also that it's a bit of climate grief.
0: This is Beth. She's a mum of two young boys and climate change keeps her up at night in a big way.
1: There is a big cognitive dissonance between thinking about what birthday present am I going to buy for little Charlie who's having a party and then also reading about potentially human extinction. It's something that women of our age are coping with on a daily basis because we're getting this information and then we're needing to just go on, get up in the morning, make breakfast, make lunches and go off to work,
0: come home, hug our children, put them to bed. It's hard. Man, I hear you, Beth. Like, I seriously wonder if I should even bother trying to pay the mortgage if we're facing mass extinction. And every time I use some single-use plastic, I feel Guilty, and I picture sea life choking on it. Like many of us, Beth is freaking out on the inside, but pretending it's all okay on the outside, especially for the sake of her children.
1: As a mum of two young boys, I'm very busy, I'm working, I'm doing lots of things in my daily life but sometimes it can be a struggle to balance what I'm feeling in terms of climate anxiety in the background. It really is something where you need to acknowledge that there is a basis for what you're feeling, and I think that's really important.
0: Climate change anxiety might be a fairly new phenomenon, but anxiety among women isn't. A national survey of 15,000 women released in 2018 found that almost 70% were feeling nervous, anxious or on edge. The study was done by the Jean Hales Foundation, a women's health organisation in Australia. It found that almost 50% of women surveyed were diagnosed with either anxiety or depression. This is how clinical psychologist, Dr Charlotte Keating describes anxiety.
2: Anxiety is certainly not just feeling stressed or worried. You know, stress and anxiousness are really common responses to, say, situations where we might feel some pressure. You know, those nerves can help us to perform better at times, and they can also perhaps happen or get triggered when we feel threatened by something, and in that way it can help sort of give us the energy to avoid danger. But usually once the danger has actually passed, those stressful feelings or anxieties also pass too. But anxiety tends to be a bit of a problem when the anxious feelings don't actually go away. When they're sort of sustained and they hang around. And in this way, you know, anxiety can really sort of get in the way of being able to do the things in in your day-to-day living.
0: While general anxiety is sometimes about a fear of something quite ordinary like crowds or elevators or just going outside, things that you can work through and normalise, climate change anxiety feels less manageable. And for good reason. I mean, for one, in 2019, the Australian Medical Association declared climate change a health emergency. The fact is, In our lifetimes, we probably will see food shortages, more diseases, rising seas, animal extinctions, more people dying from things like heat stroke, and we'll see more mental health issues. There is a real reason to be freaking out. So what is the difference between normal anxiety and climate change anxiety?
2: Oftentimes it looks like anxiety, as we might perhaps recognise a usual experience of anxiety. There isn't a DSM or a diagnostic category for anxiety related to climate change, but climate change can itself be a trigger for related mental health concerns like anxiety and depression. So it can look like people feeling quite anxious and struggling to manage their worries about the state of the future. It can sort of leave people feeling quite keyed up, I think, and anxious and quite activated a lot of the time. Some of the other sort of symptoms that I see is sort of that frustration, that irritability, and and in some cases, some sleep disturbance, because you spend a lot of time, or some people spend quite a bit of time when their mind is, you know, meant to be relaxing, going to sleep, actually thinking about the things that they are genuinely worried
0: about. See, this feels different to me, Charlotte, because, you know, say you're worried about stepping on the cracks in the pavement or germs or, You know, you can rationalise those away, but this climate change thing, like it's actually real and we don't know if it's manageable at all. In fact, we're being told with greater urgency that it's not manageable. So I think panic is an appropriate response, isn't it?
2: Yeah, I think you're right, Yumi. I think, you know, the anxiety and and at times panic that people experience is entirely understandable because when we do think about anxiety, often it's about a perceived threat or fear that we have, um, or sometimes we don't even know, you know, why we sort of experience it. Whereas there is genuine scientific evidence that makes the the reality, you, you know, real. It does make sense to have a great deal of concern.
0: Dr Charlotte, most of us have some level of anxiety in our lives to stay safe and and healthy and normal. How do we know when there's a problem? It's true, Yumi, we all have
2: anxiety. And in fact, anxiety is a really important ally in many ways because it can help us mobilise energy and and get ready for things that are important for us to do, whether it, it might be that presentation at work. But it's when those feelings of anxiety, those sort of physical symptoms or the worries uh, that we experience become quite unrelenting and quite exhausting where they might sort of interfere with your sleep and interfere with uh, the way in which you need to get things done in your day and your relationships and things that's when it might start to sort of um, interfere in a way that suggests it's getting in
0: the way of your life. Anxiety is the most prevalent mental health condition in Australia right now. Why, Charlotte, do you think it's often swept aside as a not serious mental health issue? I think it's because when you are experiencing anxiety,
2: you can still maintain a relatively productive and functional existence. And I think, you know, certainly where women are concerned they're often not seeking help or they're just being really brave and sort of pushing through and and perhaps not even having that awareness that what they're experiencing is anxiety. And by the time it becomes quite overwhelming or difficult to manage, that's when they might be seeking help. And it's at that point that it, it really is having an impact on your life. But the important thing to note is that if you are experiencing anxiety and you do
0: get some help relatively soon the chances for recovery are very good. Women consistently suffer from anxiety more than men do. Why is anxiety more prevalent among women? Women are more biologically prone to anxiety than men
2: and a common theory for the greater prevalence of anxiety in women is their fluctuating levels of sex hormones such as estradiol and progesterone. And look, support for estrogen and progesterone being involved in sex differences in anxiety is because anxiety typically emerges for women at stages of life when these hormone levels are in flux. And this can be at puberty, but also during phases of the reproductive cycle
0: that are marked by reduced hormone levels as well. It's worth noting that these figures could be a bit skewed because women are more likely to actually go to the doctor. Olivia Reams is an expert on the gender anxiety split. She's a PhD researcher from the University of Cambridge and has reviewed the global research into who is most affected by anxiety. She found that women were twice as likely to experience anxiety compared to men. Aside from hormonal and biological reasons, she found some key social factors
5: women are more likely to work in lower paying jobs and jobs that don't offer as much prestige as men and this can affect their mental health as well. Now there have been some differences in the ways that women and men cope when they encounter problems and this can again play into how much anxiety they're experiencing. For example, If women encounter stress and challenges in life, they're more likely to ruminate, which means to worry and to obsess about those problems. This can increase your levels of anxiety, whereas men seem to be more likely to engage in problem-focused coping. This means that when they encounter a problem, they're more likely to think about what they can do about it instead of ruminating.
0: Anxiety is often triggered by a specific event in your life, whether that's a health scare, a bad breakup or a new job. For Margot, who lives in regional Tasmania, her anxiety was triggered by a hugely stressful situation in her family. This is how her anxiety plays out.
3: I would be standing in my bedroom, unable to know what the next step was, like I couldn't figure out, or oh, do I have to put my shoes on or do I have to get my jacket? And would then go, oh my God, how long have I been standing here for? And it was just the thoughts rushing so quickly that I kind of couldn't even take the next step and get out of my room. I went to the doctor and he pretty quickly prescribed medication and no other strategies. So it was basically like, here's some pills and you'll be, you'll be right.
0: Margot is no longer taking medication.
3: I feel very hot just talking about it and a bit uncomfortable, but I had way more hang-ups about seeing a psychologist than I did about popping pills to help me. And now I've flipped that equation around. And in some ways I feel like I'm on a boat that's no longer tethered to the wharf. Then the medication was sort of that tether that kept me feeling like I was linked to sanity in some way. But I think the coping mechanisms are kind of the sails or the rudder that mean that actually I can steer this. Not how I was before this came into my life, but I can still regain control. People often think of anxiety as
0: one mental health condition, but it's actually a group. It includes things like separation anxiety, social phobias, obsessive-compulsive disorder, and, of course, some people have more than one of these at a time. But lots of people are quite good at hiding their anxiety from the world. As psychologist Charlotte says, you can often make it look like everything is fine on the surface there is a real impact
2: on women of you know social media and technology there's a lot of imagery and things that we are looking at every single day that will project to us the ideal way that we're meant to look and that perfect bodies are the norm and that we should be aspiring to those and there's a greater volume than there has ever been um in our lifetimes of this type of material i think that's one contribution certainly for For young people. But I think, you know, the other factors that exist for women are just, you know, for parents and professional mums as well, having to manage the schedules and multiple children and taking them here and there and having work as well and not having enough time for your brain to really just calm down between family and then work. It's sort of everything is just constantly on the go with no downtime or sort of. Reprieve. We sort of often feel like we can't just take a break, or we don't deserve to have that hour of doing nothing, and and we almost feel guilty about you know a lack of productivity when in fact being unproductive is in fact really positive.
0: Are there other factors at play when people have full on anxiety? For instance, I've got a friend who is hungover six days out of seven, and she yeah. complains about her anxiety, and I can't help but feel like some of it is probably to do with her drinking. It's true.
2: Anxiety is not caused or maintained by one particular factor. There is the likelihood that there is some biology involved, that there is some early life experiences that can be involved, family history, those sorts of things. And certainly the current environment that we are in can influence our level of anxiety. So whether it is not getting enough sleep and your brain doesn't have enough time to sort of wind down and calm down and and recalibrate, and then sort of be ready to take on the next day with that ability to emotionally regulate the way a, a well-slept brain can you know if you have been drinking most nights that will change the neurochemistry in your brain it will make an already anxious brain perhaps more vulnerable to struggling to recover or struggling to sort of emotionally regulate I mean most people will describe on a, on a hangover feeling pretty low uh, and if you imagine that perpetuating over a number of, of days it can make it really
0: difficult to regulate Anxiety tends to spike when you go through life events like menopause, which we've talked about on this podcast, or like puberty, pregnancy, childbirth and motherhood. Being a mum can be a particularly anxious time. From my own experience, you give birth and you're suddenly thrust into this role for which you have had no training. And there's all these converging expectations. People expect you to be both good at mothering and to love it. Society does, totally does, your own family kind of does and even the tiny baby does in its own bald baby cute way. My partner was taught and shown gently how to do all the parenting stuff but I was just expected to know it and to perform it with some sort of warm pink glow suffusing my mothering and it felt like it was all on me.
4: Hi, my name is Oli Putsa. I'm 34 years old and I started having anxiety after having my first baby. Tell us how your anxiety started. When I gave birth to Noah, first three days, he was okay. We trying to get him to latch on the boob. He wouldn't latch. I tried everything possible and it wouldn't happen. So we put him on the bottle. And about the fifth day, he started getting those colic attacks. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. And some days he would just cry all day sometimes. And then as he grew older, it was just consistent at times. I started to take him to doctors because I didn't know what to do with him. So I was just blaming myself a lot because when I was pregnant with him, I was thinking, yeah, it's going to be an easy baby. My sister had three kids. They were so beautiful. Eat. Um, they wake up, you feed them, put them to sleep and that's it. Just that's, Basically, as far as I knew, kids, um, what they need, etc. So having Noah was complete different experience to what I've experienced with my sister, and I couldn't cope. So every time it we hit midday, I start to panic, um, and it builds into anxiety attacks.
0: He was just screaming the whole time. The whole time he would just, and not just screaming,
4: he would tense, he would go red, and just his lips would go blue. And as I see that, I just panic more because I'm like, what's happening to mm. him? Um It just had no time for myself and I'd walk past and I'd see my, my reflection in the mirror and I'd be like, oh, is that me? And I just walk back and I look at myself and I start crying, thinking, my goodness, you know, I've changed so much and I have no time for myself, even though I had support, I had my family, my husband, his family, but I just couldn't switch off when they take him away from me. I was never able to actually switch off and say, yep, this is my time now. I'm going to go do something for myself.
0: If you could go back in time to yourself and tell yourself something, what would you yep. say to that Ollie looking after that Noah? Leave him with
4: your support people, switch off and go do whatever you, you need to do to relax. Because when you do that, like I find now, I come back a happier mum. You know, I have more strength. I have more power in wanting to be with him. And even if he's crying or unsettled, I've got the energy because I've rested, I've looked after myself. So I'd be definitely say switch off, drop him at your
0: support people, turn your back and leave. There's no crime in that. No. Just to reiterate, it's okay to sometimes walk away from the baby. And in this particular story, eventually Noah's constant crying got better and Ollie's panic attacks settled. Charlotte, the psychologist, says 40% of people will have a panic attack at some point in their lives. This is how she suggests we manage them. For many people, it's it's
2: literally saying, slow down, this will be OK, I feel uncomfortable right now, where am I right now, who is next to me? What might I be able to distract myself with? Or how do I just let this pass? And although it will be really uncomfortable if we just let it pass to the extent that we're able to, sometimes we can find the anxiety that rises physiologically will come down again Mm. when our brain can see that there isn't a threat and that the anxiety we're experiencing isn't us dying or isn't us going crazy, even though it feels very uncomfortable.
0: With anxiety, when do you know that medication is the answer?
2: Well, definitely the research shows that the first-line approach is psychological therapy, and certainly there is evidence that, you know, medication can work. It is usually better in combination with psychological therapy as well rather than on its own. Sometimes if you have symptoms that are very difficult to manage, if you go to your GP, they might um, prescribe you something that can help in the short term. But in the longer term, there are medications called selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, for example, that increase the amount of serotonin that is available in the brain, in little synaptic clefts between neurons to be, you know, sciencey about it. But those medications can help take the edge off
0: some of the anxiety as well. Just on that, when I was really anxious about my marriage breakup, Mm. Getting counselling was way more expensive than getting medication. Medication costs thirty bucks for a month. Psychological yep. help costs one hundred and twenty dollars a session, and that was like ten years ago. It's really yep. hard. And one of the one of my greatest stresses was money. Yep.
2: yep. Yeah. Look, you're exactly right, Yumi. And, and, you know, one of the things that I think anybody takes into consideration, or hopefully they take into consideration when they're working out what help they do get, is that the help doesn't create more stress than it does alleviating (laughs) stress, right? Yes. So, in that context, you do what you can. And there are also services that are lower cost, like, for example, Relationships Australia can sometimes be helpful, you know, as an organisation for people. But I certainly do understand that, you know, know when you are really stressed and finances are part of it that the idea of having to pay someone to talk to them about your problems can really add to the stress. How do we help friends who are going through anxiety? The best way to help friends who are going through anxiety is to actually ask them what will help. For some people, it's just somebody to sit there and listen, to sit with them in those times of discomfort, to not necessarily solve the problems and tell them how to fix it or be able to do those things. It's just to to be with them and get through it with them.
0: And if you're struggling with climate change anxiety, here's Dr Charlotte's advice. I think that there are a
2: couple of things that we can do and typically, you know, if it is that we are experiencing it ourselves or if our partner experience it or if it's children that are in our care who experience it, talk, create the time and encourage discussion. It's much better to talk about what you're feeling worried about than it is to try and suppress or perhaps ignore the problem. I think listening is as important as talking. You know, make sure that whoever it is that might be asking for your support or listening ear, make them feel heard and recognised for their concerns. Engage them in discussions about what can be done now and what needs to be done, but also who's helping. And if you don't know much about it, ask somebody to educate you about it, show your interest uh, in what's worrying them and that you value their concerns. I think... As a parent or supporter, be prepared to have an opinion about it. Certainly on the Australian Psychological Society website, there's fact sheets that are tailored towards having these sorts of conversations, you know, especially for young people that's at their level. Taking action is really important, you know, regardless of what might trigger our anxiety, we can feel better when we're doing something that aims to reduce the threat So knowing what you can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and to limit that climate change yourself, things that you can do in your everyday life, conversations with people, writing a letter to a politician, for example, asking them what they're doing or urging them to take action. I think really important that you meet is self-care you need to stay well to keep Mm, helping. There's a lot of information on the media. It can be difficult to sort of disconnect from that, but sometimes it's actually really important to take a little bit of space and, and balance life around what you're nourishing yourself with at the time. And I think practicing gratitude for those who are also really committed to the cause can really help us focus on who is helping and what's being done. You know, this anxiety that we experience, we can actually, I guess, mobilise it to take action rather than feeling constantly like we're not able to do something or, you know, that we can't do anything to change how we're feeling.
0: That's because you're a psychologist, Dr Charlotte. I'm hearing the words (laughs) mass extinction over and over again in my head, so that's comforting at late at night. (laughs) It's not
2: comforting, but I think... More broadly, it's it's really important when we do experience genuine anxiety for genuine reasons that we have ways
0: to express it. The other people we spoke to for this episode also had ideas about what helps with their anxiety. The first thing is that I'm on medication and I get I get really frustrated when people try
2: to argue that antidepressants and any anxiety medication are overprescribed and unnecessary. I can Guarantee that they make a difference to me and probably saved my life. You know, I went off them because that's one of the symptoms of the illness is to not want to take your medication. And within three weeks, I was a complete wreck. And within five days of taking them again, I felt alive again and normal.
3: The things that I'm doing to manage it are so obvious that it seems stupid to say out loud. It's things like eating a lot more vegetables, joining a sporting club. I've also found that being really candid with my network about the impact that it's had on my life has really helped. It's like I'm enlisting them, whether they're willing or not to be my support network. They're normally pretty willing. And and what you find is that everyone's got a battle, it's frequently common for people to be struggling against their mo- own mental health battles. And I find that if I'm open about the fact that it's something that's happening to me, normally they'll be able to say, oh, yeah, that's something I'm experiencing or my partner's experiencing. You know, if one in three women are experiencing this, that's going to have a huge economic impact. And we really need to address it as a society. Otherwise, it's a ticking time bomb. And this is Beth, the
0: mum of two who we heard from at the start of this episode on how she deals with her climate change anxiety.
1: Action is the best antidote. If I'm feeling climate anxiety well up inside of me, I know that I need to go and spend some time with my children. I need to have a dance. Dancing is so powerful. Or I need to sing and I need to be in nature. I need to get my shoes off, feel the ground beneath my feet. The other thing that I do is take part in activism, building community around this stuff, finding like-minded people who are feeling similar to you and being in groups with them and marching on the streets. That has become a really important part of who I am.
0: So ladies, we can't take action and march on the streets right now, but we can be useful by helping others where we can, connecting with people we love and that old chestnut, self-care. Self-care is more important than ever. And while we're all new experts at social distancing, you might need to give digital distancing a go. This is where you drop your phone down the toilet and hit the flush button. Or maybe just get some space between you and your apps that are making you spiral. Remember, we're in this together and we'll get through it together. If this episode has raised any issues for you, call Lifeline on 13 4. And if you'd like to chat about anxiety, your GP is a really good first point of call. GPs in Australia have accelerated their telehealth consulting abilities. So often you can see a GP on your phone or your computer without actually having to go in in person. You could also try the Mindfully podcast, which has just released special meditations all about helping you get through coronavirus stress. If you're a parent, Maggie Dent is doing some special episodes just for you on Parental as Anything. And guess what? You can listen to them both for free, as well as heaps of other ladies' episodes on the ABC Listen app or on podcast apps like Apple and Google. And if you have any feedback or thoughts on this episode, send us an email, ladies, at abc.net.au. We'll chat to you soon, and please take care. Ladies is mixed by Anne-Marie de Bettencourt. It's produced by Jane Curtis. Supervising producer is Cassandra Steep, and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of audio studios is Kelly Reardon.